Hey guys, welcome to the I Hope to Hear This podcast. And today, I hope people with anxiety hear this part two. Hey guys, welcome to the I Hope to Hear This podcast. And I have another guest with me today. It's interesting because this guest always comes on and discusses a topic we've already discussed. But welcome back to the show, Selena Chang. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> so, what are you here to talk about today? So, we're here to talk about anxiety. Anxiety. And it's going to be a different kind of format than the one you did with Andy because mm-hmm. I'm not going to be coaching you through <laughs> anything. Yeah, this is actually going to be more about your story and what you've disco- discovered about anxiety and about yourself and how you've kind of flipped the script on anxiety, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, is that a fair way to put it? Yes. Okay, so yeah, um, if you haven't listened to the one with Andy, I would recommend go listening to it, but it's not necessary to understand what we're going to talk about today, although we will be mentioning parts of it little bits and pieces there and here and there but these episodes are independent of of each other yeah um so yeah first of all i want to say thank you for your willingness to be open and real with the listeners because i felt really open and real uh last week when i did my episode with andy yeah yeah uh, so i mean it's i think what i've learned since releasing the episode and some of the feedback i've gotten People I would have never imagined to have anxiety have come to me saying I really related and resonated with that episode. Yeah, that's really good. So I think it's a very pervasive thing. So yeah, that's why we're doing two episodes on it. Awesome. For sure. For sure. For sure. <laughs> All right. So um, let's just let's open up in a similar way. What? How would you define anxiety? So I would agree with Andy in the sense that anxiety is this sense of excessive worry Hmm. um but i actually had to like you said flip the script on anxiety because um when i first started to understand my anxiety i constantly tried to push it down and i constantly thought it was a negative attribute of me and i didn't give it room to be what it is and call it for what it is and Hmm. what i mean by that is I constantly just pushed myself down because I had anxiety, um, but I didn't really fully understand how it operated in my daily life. So um, I don't remember who told me, but someone was trying to counsel me through my anxiety. I think it might have been my discipler, but Mm -hmm. um, one of the things I learned was that anxiety can act as a protective mechanism because it allows us to figure out things that we either need or we um, were lacking. And um, as soon as I started to see it as a protective mechanism, I was like, oh, what are the things that I need right now? Um, And it could be even as small as sleep or food. Um, And a lot of times I didn't know how to identify what was causing my anxiety and in turn i didn't know how to protect myself so it was an alarm that was like okay selena how can you um how can you live in a a more healthy way um and anxiety was a way for for me to for for me to understand that Hmm. interesting because that's a very different take yeah um but i like it because it has the potential to be used as a tool 
as you were mentioning, yeah. rather than as just something you have to endure. Yeah, it's almost like just a defense mechanism. Mm. Like, okay, your body's going through something, your mind's going through something, your spirit or your soul is going through something, and your mind or your emotions are saying something to say, hey, I'm trying to protect you from something, so you need to make a change somewhere. Mm. Um, but the key is to find out what exactly to change. Interesting. Okay, so can we can I ask you to go into your story a little bit to kind of get a feel for what kind of the journey, I guess, in from turning from I have anxiety, I don't know what to do with it, to trying to figure out what is this anxiety trying to tell me about what I'm going through? Yeah. So when I was growing up, I clearly remember when I was in elementary school, I had a lot of anxiety, mm. but I didn't know what to call it at that time. I thought it was a normal thing that everybody was dealing with. Mm. Um, so I just pinned it as natural, normal emotions. But I remember from elementary school, middle school, high school, even through college and even through like um, two years after college, I would cry almost every single day going to sleep. Oh, wow. It was crazy. Mm. And I thought it was normal. <laughs> Like, this is how you go to sleep. Yeah, like, you, cry just, it out. you just think about all the bad things in your life and then you just go to sleep. Um, no, oh, but man. I genuinely thought, I didn't I didn't necessarily think it was normal, but I definitely didn't think it was a bad thing. Mm. Um, this was, you said college, first year of college? All, like, pretty much my entire life. Like, elementary oh, wow. school, middle wow. school, high school, and then a little bit through college, and then a little bit even after college. Uh -huh. um, and... There were a lot of reasons why I would go to sleep crying. A lot of it was, one, I was boy crazy. So I, there were a lot of, <laughs> I remember in high school, um, I constantly was looking for a guy to either, um, to, I just lost my train. To date? Is that what boy crazy means? <laughs> um, I guess. I just wanted someone to look at me. Oh, okay. Like to pay attention to me. Uh. Um, so... So would you say you found kind of your self-worth self in how much attention right, guys right. gave you? Or even like my friendships. Uh -huh. um, mm. Just having this like, and it led to me wanting to please people, especially mm. my parents, my friends, and um, the guys that are surrounding me. Mm. Um, and yeah, I just remember in high school, I would cry myself to sleep all the time. Oh, um, it, And it could have been triggered by school and the stress of school um or it could have been triggered by i don't know one of the guys like I, me finding out they didn't like me back or something <laughs> like that. something just trivial that you know adolescents go through mm -hmm. um and then in college i met my um discipler through wesley mm -hmm. foundation and it's basically Is that, uh, a, uga right yeah it's a uga christian ministry and they um set me up with this girl who is a couple years older than me and she actually dealt with a lot of anxiety growing up too hmm. um so she was the one who identified all of my emotions and all of this turmoil that i was going through this excessive worry that i was going through and identified it as anxiety hmm. um i actually don't think i have generalized anxiety disorder because my anxiety doesn't stop me from doing the things that i want to do right right um i'm a, a very high functioning like person who deals with anxiety mm. um but she was she basically was my cheerle cheerleader and my 
I, my counselor, my discipler, my mentor in trying to figure out this journey through anxiety, but all through college, I still dealt with it mm. at a high level. Um, and it was because I didn't, I didn't allow myself to feel my anxiety. Mm. I was constantly trying to fight it. Okay. And that constant fight against anxiety just brought me more anxiety oh. because it was just a cycle of, oh, I'm anxious because I have anxiety and it's just like a ball of doom. Mm. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Never ending cycle. Huh? Yeah. But then, um, I started going to counseling mm. and my counselor was trying to help me understand that emotions are a gift. Mm. Um, they're a gift from God. And I never saw it that way. I always thought my emotions are too extreme and I need to figure out a way how to categorize it and not constantly, um, basically not let it get out of control. So did you go to a counselor because you were dealing with anxiety and you figured finally I need to do something about it? Or what, what triggered your attendance your, at, a, at a counselor's? So two years before Connor and I got married, mm -hmm. or might have been a year ago, a year before, but um, he and I were having a lot of hard time, um, a hard time understanding each other, because mm. at that time I was probably going through the peak of my anxiety um, because of how busy I was. I was working for a church um, in Atlanta, and then I was working full time um, as a nurse, and then. Um, I was trying to maintain a relationship with Connor. Mm. And in the midst of all that, Connor was starting to get frustrated because he wanted to he wanted me to be better, but he didn't know how to because he didn't know how to process what was going on in my mind mm. because he never deals with anxiety. Yeah. Um so he basically was like, "I know this person. I think you should go to her." And because it came from Connor, mm. At that time, none of my friends were going to counseling, um, so it was it was not necessarily taboo, but it wasn't something that people talked about, right? Um, especially the Korean community. Mm. But um, after when he said you should go to counseling, I took it very seriously because yeah. I wanted I wanted to understand myself better, and I wanted him to feel like he's understanding me because mm. it was it caused a lot of frustration and even more anxiety for me yeah. in our relationship. Because Connor's like one of the most emotionless people ever. Yeah. <laughs> he, yeah. He's like a robot, big yeah. giant robot. Yeah. <laughs> so when I went to counseling, um, she actually wanted me to see anxiety as my friend, as someone, as like this other being that was trying to help me. Basically, this is what changed my definition of anxiety is mm. like, um, seeing anxiety almost as my friend that's trying to protect me and trying to um, tell me something is off. Mm. Um, but all of that basically was a self-awareness journey. Um, and at the core of it, kind of like what Andy was saying about finding the root behind all of your anxiety, my root, as I was going through counseling, I found out that my root was I desperately wanted to be understood mm. known and seen and that's why i was so boy, boy crazy oh, yeah. <laughs> like i wanted to be understood in the sense that anything that i felt my emotions they were valid mm. they had they had a reason and god 
created me with emotions for a reason and my emotions are important so that's like to be understood mm. to be seen basically not to be overlooked and i think um a lot of this comes from my family dynamics and me being the younger sister and things like that um and then to be understood seen and known mm. so for someone to actually know who i was because i think i saw myself as a very complex person and i wanted someone to fully know my thoughts and know what was going on with me and um again like with my family i never really felt known by them because my passions and what i desired to do and the things that i loved were basically being tossed aside for the sake of their expectations oh wow so when you say you wanted to feel known you mean beyond just the surface level this is the kind of person selena is she's a very happy person yeah like beyond that level of just yeah. digging under further down into who you are at the core right yeah is that okay i actually hated it when people would be like oh my gosh lena exudes so much joy and all this <laughs> stuff because i'm just like you don't know me. <laughs> you're just saying that because i'm extroverted mm, right <laughs> or right. because i like or and also my extroversion my outgoing personality came from a place of wanting to be basically popular and i wanted mm. to please people i wanted to be friendly um but when someone labeled me as like this joyful outgoing person those are positive attributes but then at the same time i felt like do you really know who i am mm. and even like honestly like going to a new church so i go to a new church now it's gonna be see yeah <laughs> because of connor mm. um and i was honestly really scared to go because i was like oh they're just gonna label me as connor's wife uh, and that like in itself to be labeled as just connor's wife doesn't make me feel no it just right. makes me feel like connor's wife right and what their mm. thoughts about that would be i apologize i i'm pretty sure i've introduced you as connor's wife <laughs> on several occasions no it's not uh. it, <laughs> when i actually went it was just an irrational fear like mm. it's just like ultimately like i know people desire to know me mm -hmm. like i know that you and shirley desire to know me and connor yeah but i think in my mind i was scared of that label because my deepest desire and like what i want what i've always wanted was to be known for who i am mm. yeah and, and you know what i think that that's like what I think that's what most humans want. Yeah, for sure. They just want to be yeah. known for who they are. Yeah, yeah. I think young adults our age in our generation, especially in our community, they, most of them, I, they struggle with identity. Yeah. Right? They, they don't know how they should define themselves. Is it through my work? Is it through my family? Is it through the volunteer hours that I pour into a certain cause? Whatever it may be, I think a lot of people do. I struggle with that me included i think um when shirley f first decided to start softy i part of me was like am i just going to be the husband of the person who started softy yeah 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 <laughs> so i know i know exactly what you mean that makes sense yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah it's hard to it's hard to um figure out who you are in this day of age mm. because of all the things ex external factors and even honestly i'm still dealing with it like I was just telling someone that um, I felt like I'm starting to understand who I am better mm. and almost like this new Selena is birthing out of me, which is really the core Selena that's coming out of me. Yeah. But it's hard to 
almost step into that new identity when you've lived in your like old self for so long mm. and it, this is like basically the gospel but yeah. <laughs> basically like i'm it's it's like i'm in split identities right when i'm transitioning into this new sense of who i am mm. um yeah and sometimes i'm like when i'm in crowds and with my friends i'm like oh am i just operating out of a place of wanting to please people or am i operating out of a place of i'm already known and loved seen by god ah uh, right yeah so another thing that I, one of the revelations I had during my counseling sessions was mm -hmm. basically that there was a reason why I, uh, like the reasons why I became a people pleaser and mm -hmm. the reasons why I acted out in the ways that I did was because I was, I wasn't being loved, known and seen and understood. Mm -hmm. um, and my, my childish ways of dealing with that was through getting attention from other people. Hmm. So she showed me that it wasn't, it's, it's an unhealthy behavior, but it was rightfully how a child should respond. Hmm. Like it's almost like she defended me as a child, hmm. which was so healthy. Like it was breakthrough for me and healing for me. Cause I was, I always was like, why did I act that way? Why did uh, I, wow. why was I so um, focused on how people saw me and all these things? But in reality, it's like, well, that's how a child would respond. Yeah. Like that's how they would deal with things. And but then she was like, "Okay, but you're not a child anymore. So how are we? How are we going to take those unhealthy behaviors and make healthy behaviors out of it? Hmm. So instead of responding like a child, responding as who you are right now today. Right. So just to kind of summarize what's happening right now, your reason. And the core trauma, if we can label it as that, as to why you started having this anxiety is because as a child, you didn't feel as though you were being seen, heard, and known? Understood. Understood. Known and seen. Okay, yeah. understood, known, and seen, right? Yeah. So would you say that the anxiety that manifested was because it was your body trying to tell you that you're missing something in your life? Or? Yeah. Okay. yeah. It was like my anxiety was saying selena um and it's almost like i feel like not to say not to go as far as like anxiety is a gift uh -huh. <laughs> or anything like that uh -huh. but it was it was it was basically the way like crying when i was going to sleep mm -hmm. that the manifestation of anxiety in that way was healing for me because i had to get it out somewhere mm. i had to process it somewhere mm. and the only place i could feel that was safe was my bedroom mm. at night when I'm going to sleep. Mm. But in every other area of my life, I did not find a safe place to process that. Mm. Even with my friends, it's like, who, what am I going to say to my friends? Oh, do you go to sleep at night and sleep and <laughs> cry all the time? <laughs> Obviously, I don't want to start a conversation like that. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was just interesting for me to hear from my counselor that, hey, when you did all of these things it was it, you were just trying to protect yourself mm. you were trying to process these things as a child and it was the only way you knew how to mm. so it's okay but now it's like oh but now you have these tools let's actually put them into action become self-aware mm. and start becoming healthy so so this point in the journey 
you you've been dealing with this unknown reason for anxiety all your life your counselor she talks to you and you've identified where that came from you've also been told that the way in, in the during a time where you were questioning why did i act like this your counselor confirmed to you that that is natural way to deal with it and what your body was responding to right so right. you've kind of identified where the anxiety was coming from you your actions to combating that were validated so you're in a pretty healthy place to start now overcoming that right right okay so continue um <laughs> okay. that was like a yeah, in, yeah, yeah. In, interim uh recap of what, where we are yeah mm -hmm. for sure um <laughs> So when you, okay, so whenever um, I think about my anxiety, mm -hmm. one of the things Andy said was uh, this excessive fear, mm. right? And I would say that also at the base of every lie is a fear too. Um, mm. And two of the lies that I, I, that I can think of, if I just put a broad statement over my entire life, I would say that the two main lies of my life was that I was not good enough or that I was too much, oh, wow. which are extremes. But when you think about someone who has anxiety because of the fact that they wanted to be loved, known, and seen, but didn't receive those things, then they're saying, then the fruit of that is, it's my fault. Hmm. I It's my fault that I'm not loved. It's my fault that I'm not known. Hmm. And if it's my fault, then the lies that I will, that were birthed out of that in my life were, Oh, Selena's not good enough. She doesn't have what it takes. Or Selena's too much. She's she's like she's way too emotional. She just needs to put in she just needs to be set in a corner. <laughs> and uh. it's interesting because I would say that growing up, my personality was extreme. Um or like I would overcompensate mm. because of these two things mm. in certain areas of my life. But um yeah. How would you overcompensate? So for like the not good enough thing, um, if we think about my spiritual journey, I would say that I pr pretty much did as much as I could as a high schooler to serve the church in 50 different areas of mm. ministry. Um, and that actually continued on through college and then through after college, like when I was working for the church that I was working for um, after I uh, graduated it was almost like I was compensating for that lie by doing more than I should. Mm. But then came a point where I was like, these things are actually good things, but I have to have the right perspective when I'm doing these things. Right. And if you're overburdening burdening yourself, then that doesn't help anyone either. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And it doesn't help being married to someone who says no more than he says yes. Oh. <laughs> I say yes, like 90, 10. Uh -huh. And then Connor's like, mm, like 30, 70. Yeah, 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 I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So how would you overcompensate your, when people would, or when you felt like people were saying you're too much? Yeah. Um, so when I was, I remember I, when I was in elementary school, um, shout out to Kelly. She was like my best friend at that time. <laughs> but Kelly is this like nice, soft-spoken, she's super kind, I Kelly who Kelly in oh okay okay yeah, oh yeah, Kelly yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. shout out to so you she's Kelly. my cousin I used uh -huh. to hang out with her all the time but uh -huh. we went to the same church uh, when we were in elementary school because she would hang out at my place all the time mm -hmm. um, but 
I definitely saw the difference in our personalities as at a young age. I was definitely like rambunctious, like quirky, intense. She was like lighthearted, sweet, kind. Mm. Basically, she's like perfect in my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> but I just remember at a young age, I was like, man, I need to tone it down. Oh. I need to be like her. So I would, if I felt like something I would say sounded rambunctious, mm. I would tone it down. I would like my mind would wheel back. Okay. But that was a very unhealthy behavior at that time because then I'm stepping away for how I was created and Mm. how like how I use uniquely rambunctious. Right. Like it was a good thing. But in my head, it was like the lie of the enemy was you're too much and you need to tone it down. Yeah. I think a lot of people struggle with that because it's it's that comparative thing that we do. You probably saw Kelly and said, hey, she's known, she's loved, she's understood. Yeah. But I'm not. So maybe I need to emulate what she's doing in order to. Wow. Yeah. That's because uh, I think uh, I say a lot of people deal with that because I think that's FOMO, cul- sorry, FOMO culture mm. that, that we live in right now. Right. We we see everyone's all the awesome things that they're doing on social media. Oh, yeah. And we say, maybe I need to be doing what they're doing to get to that place instead of whatever I'm doing now. And I think that's super unhealthy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so, sorry, continue on with the going through the journey. So, you used to compensate how the the two lies that you were fed, Yeah. that you're not good enough in one way or the other. And you compensated by trying to change who you were. Right. Right? So, how did... Being in that place, how did you overcome those lies? I honestly, I'm still overcoming those things. Mm. Um, but it helps being it helps being married to someone who has seen everything, and well, I would say yeah, he's seen everything and he still chooses me. Oh yeah! <laughs> Shout out to Connor. <laughs> Shout out to Connor. <laughs> but it's true. Like yeah, I don't think I've ever had anyone like that in my life mm. who's seen all of who I am and has still chosen to be with me mm. not and most of it is the see all of who I am because it's interesting because um I actually think I'm a pretty vulnerable person mm-hmm. and I'm pretty open but when I was in college and even in college I thought I was pretty real and vulnerable but I remember I was talking to my roommates at that time um and we were rem- reminiscing on college life and i was like yeah i used to cry every day to sleep and they're like what they don't remember that and they don't they don't remember having access to that part of my life Mm. which is scary because they were the closest people to me at that time Mm -hmm. um so i think i think like being with connor has um stretched me in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. and helped me accept myself because he accepted me Mm. but i think in an even grander state is that um well connor is not perfect either um so there yeah, are, for sure there are moments <laughs> actually most moments <laughs> he gets frustrated but yeah. um i think one going through counseling like mm. andy was saying how important it was and even like he was talking about different components like having counseling um like what, what did he say he was like there were multiple things that are necessary like spirituality health mm. um emotional health, mental health, like all these things are necessary yeah. in order to be be healthy. And um, I think I'm still in the process of that. I yeah. don't think that it's like, 
I don't think I, I still struggle with anxiety. I still struggle with these lies, mm. but it's, I feel like it's a struggle that I, um, not happy about, but I can take ownership of it. Like yeah. I can, I can be like, this is what I am dealing with. And I'm going to, I decide to go through it mm. with my God and with Connor and with my friends. And instead of hiding away from it, I'm choosing to put it in the light and choosing to share it with people because if it just stays in me, then it doesn't do anything. Right. It just festers and it actually gets worse. Yeah. So I want to ask you, can you give us an example of how you used your maybe an anxious moment to turn it and say, what is this trying to tell me about what I'm going through? Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember. It's okay. So maybe not a specific moment, mm-hmm. but this happens a lot. Okay. So um, your anxiety is unreasonable. <laughs> um, it It's hard to reason with anxiety. Like mm. that's why me and Connor have so many issues is like he tries to lo- logically reason through why I'm anxious. Yeah. But even if he tries to get to why I'm anxious, it's when you're in a panic state or anxiety uh, attack or something like that, you can't reason through it. You just mm. have to go through it and then work through it. Right. But um, a lot of times like Connor just says what he means. He just is like, oh, um, he'll be like, why are you sad? Or like, he'll Stop just- Stop being sad. Yeah. <laughs> he just like says what he means. Yeah. And sometimes I, my, the wounds in my heart, um, they get offended by it very quickly. Like mm. it's a trigger. It's and like a normal person who doesn't, who hasn't dealt with the things that I've dealt with probably wouldn't respond that way. They would just be like, oh, and then respond to Connor. Yeah. But because of the roots of feeling unloved and not understood and not seen, something that Connor can say, a statement that he can say, can be twisted in the form of rejection. Mm. So I will feel um, a high level of rejection. But a lot of the times, it's not because of Connor. It's because of maybe I'm too tired. Mm. (laughs) Like... Maybe I need to just take a 30-minute nap and sleep sleep it off. Mm. Um, or because it, he could have said something that hurt me, but my reaction is often exaggerated by different factors. Mm. Because if I'm in a good mood and nothing's bothering me and like um, my needs are being met, then a lot of the times I'm able to not necessarily logically run through it with him, but... I'm able to kind of have a mature conversation about mm. what's going on. Mm. But a lot of the times when I'm like spiritually spiritually depleted, if I haven't been engaging with God, if I haven't been um, just spending like an hour a day journaling my thoughts and like being with God, I feel that spiritual depletion mm. and it sets the tone for the rest of my day. Mm. Or... If I feel disconnected from my friends and they say something that is offensive, Mm. um, I immediately am like, oh, I feel so disconnected from this person or Mm. I feel so like so a lot of these anxious thoughts get exacerbated because there are areas of my life. It doesn't have to be 
pertain to that certain person but if like I said if there's areas in my life that have needs and I haven't met it yet um, the things around me can be exacerbated oh I see I see so when something happens specifically between let's just use you and Connor for now yeah and you feel more anxious about that then you can kind of instead of wallowing in that anxiousness you can stop and think well why am I feeling this way yeah maybe I need to take a nap yeah maybe there's something in me and Connor's relationship or you and Connor's relationship that needs my attention yeah. or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And I like that. Yeah. And mm. a lot of times it's just like, oh, Connor and I need to go on a fun date night or mm. like we just need to laugh it off Yeah, because we get so Connor and I, we still kind of work as independents right now. Um, I would say that our schedule is very it's not like it's not like a typical married person right. schedule, mm. and because for those of you who haven't listened to the previous episode that I did with Selena, she's a nurse, so you have specific shifts that are there, yeah. very sporadic, sporadic, right? Yeah. yeah, and I'm also in school, so like my my schedule changes every day. Mm. Um, but if if I haven't spent time with Con- I don't even remember what we we're talking about, but <laughs> <laughs> if I haven't spent time with Connor for like genuine quality time with him Mm. i immediately feel disconnected from him Mm. and then everything that i'm doing makes me very anxious because i'm like i'm just wasting my time doing this when i could be having a date night with connor i don't know Mm. okay okay so again in that situation you can use that anxiety to kind of help you pinpoint what aspect of your life you need that needs more of your attention right yeah okay and all that to say, like, it's interesting when you start seeing anxiety as a, um, as like a alarm because, mm. or like one of the phrases that my, the church that I used to go to use would be like checking the weather. Mm. Um, so you wake up in the morning and you check the weather, basically like ask yourself, Oh, how, how are you doing, Selena? Like, what is, what do you need today, Selena? Mm. Um, and if you, can go through that um, every day and check in on yourself then and take a moment for like silence and um, meditation I believe that a lot of the anxiety that I feel would be lessened Mm. Um, but and I don't say this for everyone who deals with anxiety because I know people who have like severe generalized anxiety disorder who and they deal with anxiety in a way where nothing could be triggering it. Mm. It could just be that they're, they're experiencing anxiety. And there are a lot of things like neurologically that we don't know about. Um, and I don't know, like I believe that there are ways to be self-aware and um, diminish your anxiety and even heal from anxiety. But I also believe that there are people who deal with it and are born with these I don't, I, I'm not like a neuro nurse or anything like right. that, but like, um, like these messages in their head because of Im- hormonal imbalances or whatever it is, like, mm. I think that it can be a real, like it is a mental, real mental disorder. And right. so if there are people out there that are dealing with GAD, um, I'm not saying that there's an easy fix. Right. right. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I say this because I know people who have this. Yeah. Um, and I work with people who have this. And it's, you can't just always try to find the root of it. 
Well, that's that's a good disclaimer. Uh, yeah. I appreciate that because yeah, what we're talking about here are it's not it's not again generalized anxiety disorder. I didn't yeah. even know that was a thing until you you just said it. Yeah. But generalized anxiety disorder. We're not talking about people who need like legit medication and like actual neurological help. We're we're talking about more about um, yeah the people around us who like I said even for me it, it's I don't have that yeah um, uh, but. And I think that's probably why Andy was able to coach me into kind of identifying the source and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But I do think this is probably the more prevalent form of anxiety that people have that people don't really talk about. Yeah. Um, So I think this is, yeah, it's good that we disclaimer that, um, that we're not, we distinguish the two. Yeah. But I think what we're talking about is also very valuable. Yeah. Yeah. And all that to say, there were times, another disclaimer, uh-huh. there were times yep. in my uh, journey where I was like, do I need anti-anxiety meds? And honestly, looking back, there are probably pockets of even years where it could have been very valuable to me. Mm. Um, but, and there are a lot of, there's a lot in the Christian world, I believe that there is some controversy, controversy uh, for taking medications for this, mm-hmm. um, for anxiety disorders. But um, one of the things that my counselor was telling me was like, if it's disrupting your life, like if, if you're not able to carry out what is set before you, like just your daily tasks, even just like, just like having conversations with your friends or going out and um, getting dinner with people, just even simple tasks like that, if you're unable to carry those out then there might be a need for that Mm. um and i honestly don't really have that much of an opinion about it but i think that like um there were definitely moments in my life where i was like is this something that i need right so i don't know i think in those moments professional help is probably what you should yeah guide you should let guide you yeah so we'll say let's leave it at yeah 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 because i mean there's a lot of con it's not just in the Christian role that I think there are a lot of people who say who think that America is over prescribing drugs to oh, people, for sure. you know, yeah. so but we're not experts on that. There are experts out there to help guide you through that. So if you're in a place where you feel like you need medication, for sure, go see yeah. go see someone who can provide you professional help. Yeah. 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 So you mentioned several a few times at least on the podcast about how anxiety interacts with your marriage to connor mm-hmm. so can we go a little deeper into that and, and could you kind of tell your thoughts on whatever you've learned or, or whatever about being married to a guy who's so emotionless and has zero <laughs> idea what anxiety is <laughs> yeah so just so people know the kind of person connor is like I said, he's very logical. Um, he doesn't share his emotions. Hmm. Um, if he's dealing with something, he kind of silently just deals with it on his own. Um, if it's something very important to him, he'll vocalize it. But for the most part, he doesn't actively share. And it's something that we have to kind of work through because he, I want to know about his life. Like yeah. he has to share his life with me. I'm his wife. <laughs> um, but I would say that one, it's very frustrating, and mm. two, it's also refreshing for someone like me. Hmm. So um, I would even say 
that my mind is often chaotic and which I think is has gotten better but Connor's mind is like a peaceful grassland uh. like you just there's nothing there's no anxiety about him hmm. like even if he's in the most stressful situation he just he's like his phrase that he goes by is it is what it is hmm. and he says it a lot but he really lives by it he's like an old kung fu master yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um for example when he when we first got married he actually didn't have a job hmm. um he was jobless for more than half a year hmm. um i think it was about half a year and he um and I was I was working full time and I was going to school, but I really needed to go part time mm. because I was in school doing clinicals and I was in class and I was working. So it was just extremely tiring for me. Um, but the whole time that he was jobless, he was just like, oh, like it's just going to work out. There's no, there was no sense of urgency, which actually kind of frustrated me. <laughs> but in, I think he, in like an outward sense of urgency, there right. wasn't this sense of like, uh, we're not going to make it if X, Y, and Z, if I didn't get a job at this company or whatever. Like mm. he really just took, took the, if he didn't get an interview, he didn't get an interview. If he mm. did, he did. Um, if he got the interview and didn't get the job, like, it was okay. Right. Nothing felt like it was the end of the world. And nothing felt even like negative. It just felt like, oh, this is what life is. This is what life is like. And we're just going through it, mm. which I think is a very, I wish I had that kind of mindset because that's like, that's what the Bible teaches us. Like, why do we worry about these trivial things? Yeah. Um, if we really believe that he can take care of us. Yeah. Um, you know, one thing I really respect about Connor is during that time, I had several lunches with him where yeah. I would be like, hey, so how's the job search going? Is it going? And he was always very cool, calm and collected about it. Yeah. But the thing I really respect is the fact that he eventually found like the perfect job for him. Yeah. One he loves and one that's sounds I, I want to get a job there. <laughs> like it sounds yeah. like a really great work environment. Um, someone like me, I would have been so stressed out and freaked out. I would have gotten just the first job that came my way. Yeah. And, and I think like, one of the things that um, I love is that he taught me, um, he almost taught me how to love him. Like mm. by desiring for him to pursue his passions was so important to me because he doesn't like doing things he doesn't like doing. Yeah, yeah. So like if he doesn't, he doesn't want to do it, like even small things like, um, like if people are like, let's go bowling and everyone decides to go bowling and he doesn't want to go. He just won't go. Because right. it's like, he just doesn't want to do what he doesn't want to do. Yeah, yeah. And, um, but because of that perspective, it showed me how to love him well. Because I was like, okay, if he really doesn't want to do something, then why am I pushing him to do something that he doesn't want to do? Hmm. Um, like his severe, like, desires or passions allowed me to want him to go after his passions and the mm. things he cares about. Mm-hmm. Um, because at the core of it, he didn't care about money. He cared about doing something he wanted to do, mm. which that's I think good. is, yeah, yeah. Which is so admirable. Yeah. So that's like the good side of it. It's like refreshing. Yeah. And there's a sense of peace when I'm around him. There's a sense of like, I can rely on his steadiness and I know that he won't change. 
he won't change his mind. Like, because he's made a decision to love me for the rest of his life, I know that's going to be that for forever. Like, mm. I don't even have to question it. Right. And I don't actually. Like, in the past, I think if I had married anyone else who wasn't like Connor, I would have lived in the fear of him abandoning me. Mm. But And that was one of my fears growing up is like, so people are just going to abandon me. Right. But I actually never deal with that because he is the way he is. Hmm. Um, on the other hand of things. <laughs> the bad side. Yeah. <laughs> it's really hard for him to understand what I'm going through. So hmm. there will be times when we, when I'm in a panic state, hmm. like I'm having an anxiety attack. Um, and he doesn't know how to respond and he'll just be silent because his words matter very much to him. So like everything he says he means, so he doesn't want to say something that he doesn't mean. Mm. And if we are talking about something and I'm going through an anxiety attack and I'm saying all these things, he will be silent for like an hour before he'll know how to respond. Oh, wow. But that hour feels like rejection every minute it's like uh. every minute that's passing he's rejecting me more and more <laughs> um and there have been times when he's called me like too sensitive or like too emotional and i've al- i've also had to like shut those things out because in my journey of figuring out how to deal with my anxiety i had to f- believe that my sensitivity and my emotional um, my emotionalness was were gifts and they were like they make me who I am mm. and my sensitivity gives me a an ability to be compassionate towards people in a way that many people aren't able to do right so he like <laughs> there would be times when we would be frustrated with each other and he would say things like oh you're being too sensitive about this um, and I think this is where perceived reality, like what you were talking about with Andy comes into play, because yeah. if you understand that people have a perceived reality, then I'm not being too sensitive. I'm just reacting the way that I would react. Right. Yeah. I would just be seeing a perspective the way that I would see it. Mm. So, um, but I think for Connor, it's hard for him to, because he doesn't even understand anxiety or emotional, like, distress it's hard for him to understand my perceived reality or even Mm. accept my perceived reality Mm. which is very painful and it's like if my core desire in life is to be understood and my husband's not able to provide that Mm. then there's a huge problem right and it's actually something my counselor had walked me through because she was like are you willing to marry like say yes to someone to some to someone who may not ever fully meet all of your emotional needs. Mm. And that's when saying yes and having a choice in marriage became very real to me because I was like, oh, I'm saying yes to someone who can't provide this specific need in my life. Mm. But at the same time, uh, and she wasn't saying like having all of my emotional needs met, but like just even like coming to a point where he can understand me. Right. And honestly, like, it is a very painful point in our marriage. Mm. And it's something that, like, we're constantly trying to find ways to communicate better because 
our communication kind of it it can it can lack in a lot of ways like if you listen to our conversation sometimes it's just like you guys are not like speaking about how you guys are feeling because his how he feels about me when i'm anxious often shuts me down Mm. and i can't get i can't get my words out right yeah oh man you know you know what's funny as you were describing connor's logical ununderstanding of your perceived reality yeah i realize i'm that person for myself i'm <laughs> i'm very similar to connor in in the logical side of things wow so it in my head it was oh, i'm feeling anxious but it doesn't make sense your yeah. perceived reality doesn't make sense so like yeah that's that's interesting yeah that's mm. that is very interesting yeah, yeah. but I, I think that's uh good to know that you're dealing with both those things because every one of us, I think listening who've dealt with anxiety, either have those people around us who can't understand our perceived reality or we think they can't understand it. Yeah. Right. So um, the fact that you're dealing with that every day, I appreciate you telling us that because that's very real and yeah. it's something that I think all of us can work on and should strive to work on. Yeah. Right? Because whether it's, us as people who are too logical trying to understand people who are more on the emotional side or you know vice versa right so yeah i think that's uh, something that we should all strive to do yeah i think that i've i've felt in the past that there was a sense of hopelessness about it mm. um, because of how different we are but i actually believe that this is the reason why we're together like mm. if if connor can get to a point where he can really understand what i'm going through he would be going after his weakest point ah right and in the same way if i were able to logically think through what's going on and um and fight through my anxious thoughts Mm. i'm also attacking my weakest point Mm. and it's I think it would be very actually harmful if I married someone like me because um, I because it would just be like emotional balls of fury <laughs> coming together yeah. and not being able to resolve things. Uh, I don't know. Like, uh, yeah, it actually frustrates me when I'm with someone like me because <laughs> I'm just like, we are not getting anywhere because <laughs> we're the same. Right. right. Yeah. Because you have complementary strengths. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, I, with me and Shirley, I don't think we're as extreme because mm-hmm. she has anxious moments as well. Right. But I think there is a point where we see our anxious moments differently mm-hmm. and that we're able to provide different perspectives on it. Yeah. And I think that's really helpful and healthy for us yeah um because rub it in i'm just kidding <laughs> no, i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry oh you're right no no but i'm just pointing that out because um i could have taken her perspective on my anxiety as an attack on me yeah as a you don't really understand what i'm going through right but the moment i chose to think she's providing a loving alternate perspective on it is when i was able to I think utilize that yeah. better, right? Yeah. Obviously, we str- we still struggle. We say things that we don't take in well sometimes, but I think, um, yeah, just being open to 
understanding and knowing and accepting that whatever your spouse tells you is meant to help you, not to shut you down, right. I think can be a, a healthy twist on, on things. Yeah, yeah, that's really good. And I think that if Connor and I can get to a point where we are both voicing how we feel and are able to like, okay, so here's the problem. I'll tell you what the problem is. <laughs> okay. Because, um, so because I am the only one experiencing anxiety, mm-hmm. Connor sees it as like me and my problem. But the mm-hmm. way to really tackle it as a married couple is to see anxiety as its own thing, not connected to me, just as like a separate entity yeah. and partnered with each other and go through it with each other. Mm. Because right now it's just like me and my own anxiety and Connor's just trying to like hop on and like tell me what to do and like help me get through it. But the best way is if we are able to come alongside each other, partner with each other, and then push through the anxiety together. Yeah. So mm. it's almost like he's taking on what's going on. He's not just like a bystander just telling me, like coaching me, mm. you know? Right. I think that's great because that's also the way that uh, Andy approached it with me when he was coaching me. Yeah. Instead of saying anxiety is just something that's attached to you, it's he. we kind of took it as its own entity to try yeah. to inspect and examine it. So yeah. I think that's a really good point to make. Yeah. yeah. And another thing is, is like, so when I was growing up, like my parents, the way that they um, talked to me was mm. basically like if there was if I was arguing with them, it wasn't their response would be, you don't have an opinion. So just shut your mouth. <laughs> and this is like you're going to do what we tell you to do. Right. So growing up, my mentality was, Selena, you can't voice your opinion like you are silenced mm. and um and the friction that happens with me and Connor is that ultimately nothing can be resolved if I don't share what's going on. Mm. And like I said, sometimes his reaction to what's going on is silence and that feels like rejection. But I, because it feels like rejection, I don't want to speak up. Oh man. Uh-huh. And so the silence, like the me growing up and like me feeling like I can't voice myself it manifests in our marriage when we are arguing because, or like when we're frustrated at each other because his rejection makes me feel like I makes me silenced. Mm. And, but in reality, like not my perceived reality, but like what's actually going on is he's not rejecting me. He's just trying to formulate a response that is adequate on his end of things. Right. Yeah, because so. he's an internal processor, so yeah. he's taking it in and trying to be mindful of his response, right? Yeah. 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 So, I, I, yeah, I think the struggles, because the things that you're going through with Connor, mm-hmm. it just so happens to be in the marriage relationship. Yeah. But I think it happens a lot in just you know family relationships or just friend relationships as well, yeah. where others can't understand why you're being emotional or why you have anxiety and things like that. Yeah. And I I think the approaches that you're talking about, kind of teaming together and attacking anxiety, the entity separately and trying to resolve that that way, I think is is a good approach for any relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. 
So we we talked about your profession a little bit.、Mm-hmm. We talked about it a lot in the previous episodes.、So、if you haven't listened, go listen. But I wanted to ask you, as a nurse in charge of someone's health in in a field where you sort of need to at least project the idea that you're confident、yeah. and that you're not anxious at all. How do you deal with anxiousness when it manifests in your work?、Uh, so I actually am. Not very anxious when I'm at work.、Hmm. The only time I've experienced anxiety at work was when I first started,、mm-hmm. um, and then when I'm in a fight with Connor and I have to go to work,、uh. <laughs> or if something's going on in my life and I have to go to work.、Hmm. Because work, what happens is there are some places, like some jobs, where you can just like not do your work and kind of get by throughout the day.、Mm-hmm. Nope, not at not with nursing. Like I basically have to. Shut out everything that's going on in my life and get go and take care of patients. Right, because patients don't care about your problems. They yeah, just want, yeah, yeah. They have bigger problems. <laughs> But、yeah. um, so I never. When I first started nursing, I was only anxious because my preceptor was anxious.、Mm. Um, she was like really intense. She doesn't work there anymore, but she's just like every time I got into work, it was like. The roof was falling down. Everything was a disaster, and、mm. I and I carry that with me because I was like, "Oh my goodness,、wow. I have to run around and do all these things."、Um, and it was hard to learn from her because it felt like she was anxious about what's going on, and I took on that anxiousness.、Mm. But after I came out of orientation and became my own nurse, it was a lot easier.、Um, mm. The reason why, though, is because I, I it's because I'm like my dad. My dad is, he's very high functioning. Like if he has to do something, he just does it,、hmm. um, and he does it very excellently. Like one of my values is excellence and getting it done efficiently.、Mm-hmm. And it's because of my dad. He's he is one of the most efficient and excellent people I know.、Hmm. Um, but I grew up with this sense of I have to be excellent and I have to be efficient about it,、um, whether it be like brushing my teeth, taking a shower. Like I take like two minute showers, <laughs> two to five minute showers,、uh-huh. and it frustrates me because Connor takes like thirty minute showers. But、um, <laughs> but I'm a very efficient and like people know me as I I can get my work done,、uh-huh. and I'm very hardworking.、Um, so when I'm at work, a lot of my anxiety just gets. It. I don't necessarily think it gets shut down, but it doesn't get. It doesn't manifest. But I think it's because I understand in my head that there's a task at hand, and I know that I can do it,、mm. and I know that I'm good at it.、Mm. If I if I if I was put into a situation where I didn't think I could do it well,、um, then I think I would be anxious about it. Yeah, I, I wonder if that's part of how. You were nurtured in your career. Yeah. Would you say that if someone stepped in and kind of fed you fear and gave you self doubt, that it would be a different situation? Well, that's the thing. That's what my preceptor did to me. Huh? Huh? Uh huh. Is but it's because she like she feared everything.、Mm. I don't even know why she, she. I was her first preceptee. Okay. Um, orientee or whatever, and she was actually very. Um, she exacerbated every situation. Like,、hmm. if something was going on with our patient, let's say we just had to hang a drip, hang a IV drip. If we didn't get it done in like 
the five minute time span of when it was ordered by the doctor, it was like the worst situation ever. Which uh. is which it's not probable. Like it's not even you can't even do that in a hospital because there's so many steps to hanging a drip and you have to get it reviewed by pharmacy. You have to make sure you have to make sure you have the right dosing. Hang, you have to prime an IV tube and every all this stuff. Like mm. there are many steps that have to happen. Mm. And it was like if it wasn't timed perfectly, everything was in shambles. Yeah. So I actually was fed a lot of that. Like I felt like I wasn't doing what I was supposed to be doing, and I felt like I didn't know anything. Um, I actually had to have a conversation with my boss about it because. It wasn't, it wasn't the best environment for me to learn, but mm. eventually we got through it. Hmm. So I don't know. It's very interesting. Oh, it's it's great though that yeah. you, it doesn't manifest. Yeah. And work is the one place that it does manifest a lot for me. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. Why it's, do you think that is? I, it's it's what probably what I talked about oh, with yeah. uh, Andy. Just a fear of not being able to, well, the trauma of uh, having to carry the burden of financial burden for my family early yeah. on things like that yeah yeah and it not being like the specific passion that yes. you're looking for yes yes yeah i think that i think it's because as soon as i finished my orientation with my that nurse i finally felt like i was taking ownership of my career like i was like this mm. is this is like my and i and i actually really believe that God was the one who sent me to be a nurse because I believed it was the me. Like I said in the last podcast, that nursing is a means towards the things that He's calling me to do, mm. whatever that is. Right. And um, I don't know. Like I just one. I think I'm good at it because I I can multitask. I can think quickly. I can critically think um, about s- several different things at once. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm quick on my hands. I'm quick on my feet. Um, people always ask me why I'm running if there's an emergency, but it's just because I want to get my patient their pain meds on time mm. um, or et cetera, et cetera. And I don't know. I just, I enjoy doing my job well. Mm. Um, but it's interesting because I would say that more than half of the nurses I work with deal with intense anxiety like worse than me, right. even especially in the workplace. Mm. Um, and I would say that even people who don't work with me, most nurses experience anxiety um, on a high level. And I, like I can name like seven or eight nurses that I work with that are on anxiety medications. I can only imagine because it's such a high stakes yeah. career. So, yeah. yeah. And I think, okay, also you have to have a good perspective about it. Like I, if I believe that I'm doing my best mm. – then I know that even if I make a mistake, hopefully not a life-threatening one. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's honestly, it's easy to make a mistake in the hospital, but it's also like if you're really paying attention and if you're doing your job well, um, then the then I know that like my patient's gonna be okay. Mm. Um, and it's not, and I have to be like, it's not my fault that like my patient's unhealth is this way. Right. Or I can't blame myself for the, for something that happens because, because humans are so complex mm. and it's almost like I detach myself, not necessarily in an emotional way, but like mentally I'm like, okay, I'm able to think logically at work. That's mm. what it is. Wow. 
so weird. Yeah. <laughs> That's I'm, good though. Yeah. I'm yeah. not very, it's weird. I'm not very emotional at work. Hmm. Like if someone's, if a patient's breaking down and crying in front of me, um, I can elicit an emotional response and be compassionate hmm. um, because it's one of my strengths, but I'm more actually able to step away mm. and like not be in in it. Mm. And yeah, I think very logically at work. Oh, yeah. I think that's probably because you enjoy what you're doing and you find purpose in, in, yeah. in your field. Yeah, I guess I guess I don't. <laughs> Hopefully no one from my Yikes. companies. <laughs> oh, yeah. But um. Hey, thanks so much for coming and, yes. and being so open and divulging a lot of personal information. Yes, absolutely. Um, so I, I'm really hoping that people listening um, to this episode, just like the last, can feel like you're not out there struggling by yourself, that whatever you're going through anxiety-wise isn't unique, um, that there are people out here who can help and who you can discuss with. So if anything we talked about today resonated with you, you want to give us any feedback you can email us at ihtht podcast at gmail.com that's i hope they hear this podcast i hope they hear this abbreviated podcast at gmail.com or comment or or message me on instagram at i hope they hear this and any messages you want to send to selena i will relate to her um, or you can follow her on on instagram yourself or whatever way (laughs) (laughs) just find find uh, her information and you can contact her yourself but uh if you're not a stalker then you can (laughs) you can talk to me and then i will uh relay the message so yeah thank you guys so much for listening um and yeah i'm really hoping that this this epidemic of anxiety that our generation is going through can can be dealt with yes so yes all right guys thank you so much for listening for the third time um and uh we'll talk to you next week bye